0: So we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is uh, all about spiritual gifts. This is Paul's longest discussion concerning that. Uh, those of you all that have been coming for a while know that I've titled this series in First and Second Corinthians, God's Dysfunctional People. And we're the beneficiaries because these folks were so troubled. You know, they just were, they were just wild. You know, they weren't, uh, they didn't have the benefit of growing up in, church so to speak right obviously it was a new church churches were just getting started but uh, paul would always start by preaching in the synagogue and those people had a grounding in the word of god as it stood at that point right the old testament and so they understood certain things but then you know he gets to corinth and it's this city that is just the wild west from what you know our perspective um it's a lot of sexual immorality and uh, you know, there were people with a lot of money and people with not very much money. And, you know, it's just a lot of what we see in the United States today. So it, I think it really, really fits. We're definitely in a post-Christian culture now. Um, in fact, there's, you know, a significant part of our culture that is anti-Christian at this point. It's, you know, they think the Bible is is a bad idea um, and certainly biblical values they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't think are, are good. So, um, all of that to say, we're the beneficiaries of Corinth's dysfunction. So the apostle Paul is talking to them about spiritual gifts. Now he's opened this letter to the Corinthians by telling them, "Hey, I know that you all have knowledge and that you're gifted, but as we see in some charismatic and Pentecostal churches, um, the the gifts when they are taken over and I I guess what we say is that people start acting out in the flesh rather than in the spirit, then those gifts become a source of division and contention and chaos. And that was what was going on in Corinth. So the Apostle Paul does this extensive teaching. So I'm going to go back through and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, even though we covered those last week. And then we're going to start up uh, talking about verse 7. And so if you would like to catch up, then go to last week. It's just called Spiritual Gifts One, and it's uh, right there on YouTube. In fact, there's a folder uh, on our channel. It's on my channel, youtube.com slash There's a folder there that's just called First Corinthians, and it's got everything. It might not be completely updated. It has gifts, and it has a majority of it, but you can go to that folder, and it's got all of it. So that's any of you here or any of you that are watching, okay? So let's go back, um, and we're going to be reading uh, using the English Standard Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of God, excuse me, ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit and there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So I want you to remember that those little verses right there, because we're going to come back. They, they serve as an outline for the gifts. Verse seven, this is where we'll start tonight after I talk about that outline in a minute. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions each, uh, each one individually as he wills. So that's where we're gonna stop. I'm not gonna read that whole chapter. So let's go back up to four through six. Varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So um, we can look at, the gifts being divided roughly speaking into manifestations of the spirit and then gifts of service and um give, and activities uh, well that would be manifestations um varieties of gifts verse four i talked about this last week as um referring probably to um uh, gifts that relate to your personality So this isn't just a gift that you are given by the spirit to use at a particular point in time for a particular purpose, and we'll see that today. But this is something that is bound up and wound up in your personality. And I talked about that last week, and we went to Romans chapter 12 uh, with that brief discussion. I'm gonna use prophecy as an example here. We, We find prophecy in all of these levels, okay? Prophecy is a personality gift. There are people, that's just their personality. They seek to root out wrong and injustice wherever they go. And you see this with people in the flesh. You can see that in all likelihood, were they to come to to Christ, um, then the Lord would be using them in this prophetic way. So uh, I think prophecy is mischaracterized when we think of it as just foretelling the future. That happens to be something that the Lord does in a prophet and through a prophet at times, but not always. So if you read the prophets in the Old Testament, the majority of what they have to say is not speaking of the future. It's not talking about uh, forecasting the future. It's simply a word from God that is threatening Israel, if you will, to, you know, if they don't change their ways, then God is going to bring discipline in. So in a sense, yes, that's that's saying this is gonna happen in the future because the Lord has said that, okay? But it's not, you know, forecasting the future. It's that they're not fortune tellers. Prophets are not fortune tellers. They're not saying, well, this and this and this and that and that and that. Um, It depends on what the Lord gives that prophet to say, right? So this was, uh, you know, uh, Balaam. You remember the, 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 the Old Testament prophet Balaam? He was called a seer. Um, Balaam and Balaam's donkey—that famous story where the you know the donkey told <laughs> told the man that he needed to he needed to pay attention that you know there was an angel in the in the road and the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Um, well, Balaam was a prophet, but he said even though his heart was not right, he still was a genuine prophet, and he said, "I can't say anything other than what the Lord tells me to say." And so. He was paid by this king, Balak, to curse Israel. See, his concept was, well, you know, I want you, you've got this spiritual power and you can curse them. So, you know, he's thinking of him kind of like a witch doctor or something. And that's not the way it works. A prophet doesn't do anything of his or her own initiative. And there are prophetesses as well. They don't do this of their own initiative. You don't just say, I'm gonna do this and just bow up and, you know, and make it happen. You can only do what the Lord leads you to do, right? Um, In fact, it says this, I was just now thinking about this as I was speaking to you. Uh, Let me go to another translation. Um, It says this in 2 Peter. If you wanna, in your own copy of scripture, if you wanna go over to 2 Peter chapter one, and um, this is what it says. Verse 20, Uh, This is 2 Peter 1, 20. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Another translation says, is a matter of the prophet's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. A prophet is not, this isn't a natural thing. Now, I just said, that as a personality gift, these people that are very concerned about injustice, right? And there's a lot of people concerned about that today. Um, They may well be someone that God would use as a prophet if they would give their personality to the Lord, right? And then he would send his spirit and give them that particular gift because prophets are always concerned about Writing what is wrong, making right what is wrong. They're concerned about injustice, right? Um, so, with that in mind, that's the 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 gift, right? That is bound up in your personality. But then there is a manifestation of prophecy. Now we're going to look at manifestations today. Okay, somebody that's not a prophet could speak a prophetic word. That's not their gift but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit could not inspire them to speak a prophetic word. It could be the most meek-mannered person in the church, could be somebody that never says anything, and they speak forth a word from God, right? That's a manifestation of the Spirit. That's not their, necessarily their norm. Does it make sense, right? That's not where they normally operate. That's not their personality, right? They, they may be just a very mercy-oriented person. They may be uh, someone that is, uh, I don't know. Uh, they may be a teacher. Sometimes, you know, a teacher is not necessarily prophetic. Um, there may be prophetic elements that are there, but a teacher is trying to give you the tools so that you can go out and do it. And that's what I'm trying to do a lot of the time uh, on Sunday and definitely on Wednesday. Is, is not to tell you, you know, change, change, change. What's wrong with you people? We need to get right with God. But I'm trying to give you the tools and I'm trying to give you the knowledge that you need to work through this with your own relationship with Jesus. Okay, so the personality gift of prophecy, there, there's the gift, right? And then the manifestation. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. And then it says uh, that um, if we go back to the uh the text here and there are varieties of service but the same lord so within the church there are those who are given responsibilities right within a church so uh, right now you know we've got uh, nicholas back there and he just started working with our youth so he's got a responsibility to talk to them and to work with them that's a responsibility and so the lord is going to give him Uh, the gifts that he needs, even though that's not necessarily his background, the Lord's gonna give him the gifts that he needs to carry out that ministry. There are ministries within the church, okay? And then there are offices that are over the church, and these are equipping ministers, or uh, this could be men or women in most cases, not in every case. Um, And they are responsible to equip other people to accomplish their ministry, right? So the prophetic gift could be something that's bound up in your personality. It could be a manifestation. The Lord just gives you a word that is a, a, you know, a suitable word for that particular time. It's appropriate and pertinent and you know, people need to hear it. And you don't normally speak out, right? That's just not your, your, your gift. Uh, manifestation. You could have a role within the church that is a more prophetic role. We don't have like an office of service within a church anymore that's a prophet. The closest thing would be the preacher, okay? So I told you that I'm teaching, but there, you, know, you could say that that is an office as well. And then there is this office over the church, and this wouldn't just be one church, this would be someone who is called, we would say, to preach. I'm called to preach. I'm called to this church, but that doesn't mean that I can't preach elsewhere. That doesn't mean that I I only have authority in this church. The Lord's called me, so I have that ability to equip people if they'll listen, if they'll pay attention, if they'll receive it, right? So you see how this is operating on all of these levels. Now I use prophecy as an example of that. Every gift doesn't operate the same way on every level, but that's kind of the, the outline um, last week, I told you the, the personality-oriented gifts are in Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse uh, five or six um, and uh, going down to about verse 11, I think. The, uh, the, the offices, the callings, the offices over the church, that's in Ephesians chapter four. And that's where it says that some, uh, he gave some to be apostles, he say, gave some to be prophets he gave some to be evangelists. He gave some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. You're a saint, every one of us. You say, well, I don't act very saintly. Well, we need to recognize who we are and start following Jesus and realize that if you called on the name of Jesus to be saved, he sets you apart for himself. A saint just means a holy one. And you're not holy because you're holier than thou, right? Because, you know, you do certain things that look religious or you act sanctimonious or you speak with King James English or something. You're holy because you belong to Jesus. You've said Jesus is Lord. That means he's the boss. He's in charge. You've given him your life. And so now you belong to him, right? That's what it says. First Corinthians chapter six. It says, uh, verse 20, I believe it says, you were bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body. And that that's the last verse in 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about sexual immorality. This is why you don't go out, sleep around and, and just use your body like it's a toy, right? And use other people's bodies like they're toys. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body because you, you belong to him. That's why you're holy. So you're a saint. So people like me are here to motivate you and equip you as a saint so that you can perform the ministry that you're called to. So what's your, what's your responsibility? What's your goal? Seek the Lord and discover what your gifts are, right? Because all of us should be serving in church, right? We really should. Not sitting, but serving. And the more bored we get, it's because we're not doing anything. We're not, I know people in this church that have been serving for 20 years. I also know that if I hadn't given them that place of service, they wouldn't still be here. Now, it's not like I'm uh, you know, bribing them to stay at church by giving them you know, something to do. I mean, a lot of times that gift of service is just extra work, you know? These folks just wanna go home and spend time with their families and they're tired and whatnot. And yet, like I said, you know, I've got uh, you know, a couple of adults back here in the back right now. And you know, they come, rain or shine. So I didn't see a bunch of youth walking back there. There's probably some that came through the glass door already. But we're here and we're here to serve the Lord one way or the other. But what you'll find is if you're getting bored in church, I'm just going to tell you, this is the prophetic part coming out, right? Okay. This is where I tell you where the cow ate the cabbage. If you're getting bored in in church, I'm going to tell you what I've told children and teenagers for years. If you're bored, it's your fault. Get up and serve. Start doing something. And then you're going to find the boredom goes away. You might get tired, but you won't be bored, right? We're all called to serve. Um, Okay, so now let's go to verse seven. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Number one, understand this this is what demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is present in you and in a group of people that we call the body of Christ because there is a manifestation, a disclosure, a showing out of the spirit. When you go in a church and it's just the frozen chosen sitting there doing nothing, uh, there might not be any Holy Spirit there at all. The the Holy Spirit is going to show. If you have the Holy Spirit, it's going to show. You don't pretend it's going to show. It's going to flow through. Now, that's not, you know, people think of it, you know, maybe, you know, it's kind of like a feeling or something like that. But it's really, it's not that. There can be feelings, very overwhelming feelings, but it's kind of like, you know, we just got finished this series of love. It's kind of like love. Love's a choice. You may have overwhelming feelings of affection towards somebody and you just want to help them and you want to be with them and all those sorts of things. But that wanna is really not the root or the foundation of love. The foundation of love is acting in someone else's best interest. And sometimes I don't feel like that, right? So the Holy Spirit gifts people and there are times when I can sense the Spirit flowing through me and there's other times I'm like, I can't. But then, you know, i talk to other people and it's obvious that the Holy Spirit was moving. So um, the Holy Spirit's gonna show, that's the manifestation and it is for the common good, it's not for me. Being filled with the Spirit is wonderful and all of us need it. But this, these manifestations that we're about to look at are not for the individual. They're for the community, right? This gift that I have to preach and teach, it's not for me, it's for you. It's just like exercise, it's good for me when I use it. And you know, you just, it's like when you don't use your muscles, when you don't use your muscles, they atrophy. You know what this word means? Mm -hmm. They just get weaker and weaker and softer and softer, right, and smaller and smaller, and you just, yeah, you atrophy because you're not you're not using the muscles. So um, I go to the gym. I'm there six days a week, almost every week, sometimes five, but rarely. It's almost every week, six days a week. And I'm pushing weight and I'm getting to where I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But I just keep getting up and I keep going because I'm in a habit. Get in a good habit and you'll stay in it. Because there are plenty of times when I'm like, oh, I don't feel like, but I'm in such a habit that I just go. See, you can flip that script and you can get in a habit of not going and then you're just, you just never will go, right? Habits can be good or bad. And that's what you want. You wanna develop good habits. So, but I'm there so that I don't atrophy. I'm getting, old, oh, man. And I'm just, you know, so I'm pushing that weight. And the karate club, there's a good example of, uh, of ministry for me, it's not about doing the karate, it's about teaching kids and teaching adults. It's a teaching ministry. But if it weren't for these kids, I would have forgotten all my katas by now, all right? Your kata is your, your the forms. You know, if you've ever watched somebody do karate and they're doing all this stuff, and it looks like a little, sort of like a, a dance slash fight, you know, slash choreograph something, that's called a kata. And man, I. I have been doing this since, well, uh, Ru, which is the style that I teach, I've been doing since 85. And uh, so I learned these katas, and within a period of about three years, I learned all the katas that I know now. But in 88, I came out here, and I was a youth minister at a church, and so I started teaching kids there. And that caused me to practice, practice, practice. And so throughout my ministry, I have, there've been times when I don't do the Karate Club for a few years, and then I start it up again. Every time I start it up, I have to go back and remember my Kadas again. Like, I'll remember the first ones that I learned, but they're pretty complicated. And so, I've got to go back through and work through it. So, this last time that I restarted the Karate Club, uh, we hadn't done it for, I don't know, about five years. And I restarted it right in this room, and it was right after that uh, shooting in Sutherland Springs where that guy came in with a, oh, basically it was a mini 14. It's a, uh, uh, it's like an AR-15, very similar weapon uh, with a 30 round magazine and he just mowed people down. I mean, he shot 40 some odd people and killed like 27. And I thought, you know, this is nonsense. I, you know, I know something that can help people defend themselves. And sadly, I don't have adults that are really interested in doing that. Except for her son that's been with me forever and a day, Pastor Craig, who's in our class, is called Senpai Wilson. He's the senior student, and he has a brown belt in my class. Um, and Nicholas, the guy that's back here working with the youth, is in my class, and he's got his two little kids in there and stuff. But what I'm saying is, if I weren't exercising uh, that in a teaching capacity, I would have stopped doing it a long time ago. Now, would I remember certain things? Sure, I'd still remember how to punch and how to block and you know how to move my feet and all that stuff, but all the more complicated stuff that I have to keep practicing and keep practicing, I'd have forgotten. Your Christian faith needs to be practiced. You need to serve, you really do. Get up off your blessed assurance and serve, right? All right? Verse eight, so that was the sermon part. So now there's the prophetic part, right? And I didn't foretell the future. You see how that works? All right, verse eight. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Okay, so most translations, and what I did, I should do this more often. Where did I put that? I hate this when it it puts stuff all over the place. Oh, hang on just a second here. Um, There is a side-by-side tool that lets me put all the translations next to each other. There we go, text comparison. I don't know where that disappeared to. There it is right there. Okay, so um, I put a bunch of translations side-by-side down here in this so we can see the difference. Now, the word in Greek is logos. That's the Greek word for word. There's actually a couple of different Greek words for word. There's logos, and there's logos. Uh, there's Rhema, All right? And if you've been in a Pentecostal church, you've heard of a rhema word, right? That's usually a spoken word, right? It's a rhema word. Uh, that's, a, that's kind of a, uh, maybe you would say more temporary. Whereas logos is like a written word, right? It's like more permanent. Um, but it's a very broad, uh, that word Logos in Greek is very broad. It's used in a lot of different ways. In fact, the apostle John in uh, his gospel, John chapter 1, calls Jesus the word. He says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not understood it. And then you go down to verse 14, and it says, and the Logos became flesh and lived among us, and tabernacle, tented among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Logos is Jesus, right? Well, fundamentally, I think, in this context, we could use the English word message to translate Logos, the message, okay? So most of these translations are gonna say, for one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and the word of knowledge. So that's what New American Standard Bible says. That's what the English Standard says. Um, The NRS, I'm sorry, English Standard does not say that. NASB says that both ESV, English Standard Version, and the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, say utterance of wisdom. So that's interesting because normally we would associate that rhema with utterance spoken word but here like just like english you have to look at the context to determine how the usage is okay um but here we go the christian standard bible uh, translates it the way i would like to see it translated to one is given the message of wisdom through the spirit to another a message of knowledge right new living translation says it this way to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To a, uh, another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. So this tells you a whole lot about how translations translate, right? So I'm looking at Greek right here, I'm looking at these multiple translations here. Um, but I think the, probably the easiest way for you and I to understand it would be message. But utterance is good because we're talking, uh, in a context here, we're talking about a spoken message right? Okay, so what's the difference between a message of knowledge and a message of wisdom, right? So knowledge is what we're filled with in our world, okay? When you do a Google search, so long as the results are accurate, you're being given knowledge. So science gives us, it's it's, the scientific method is a means of gaining knowledge about the natural world. So Sue just got a new phone and she didn't have the knowledge as to how to operate that phone. And it was very frustrating because it's different. It doesn't have a home button like the other one and and it was just all confusing and messed up and whatever. So she had to get a little bit more knowledge. Now that you've gotten more knowledge, you're probably feeling more comfortable with using the phone, right? That's knowledge. I can't find where you're at. But it takes wisdom to employ that knowledge, to use that knowledge in the correct way. So I may know all about, and I'm looking for my bag here, my phone's in my bag. I may know all about how to use my phone, okay? Um, But it takes wisdom to know when and where to use that phone, okay? So I'm going to be honest with you people that are sitting in church, and none of you are doing that. So just so those of you all at home can understand, I'm not picking on anybody here. Um, Sit in church and they're, they've they're got their little, their little phone there. Now, a lot of people do what I would like for them to do, which is get the Bible app on their phone and use that, right? You can also type notes into your phone. And I fully realize that. But see, I'm not always up here. Sometimes I'm walking down the aisle and I see people and these are not, you think, oh, it's those teenagers. No. (laughs) It's adults watching little videos on their phone. Well, that's unwise. You're in the house of the Lord. You're here to receive a word from God. You're not being wise. You're not using your time wisely, right? So let's say you're at work and... You know, you're supposed to be doing your, your job and you're on your computer and you know all about how to use that computer, but nobody's watching. So you just slide over and start watching highlights from the Super Bowl or, you know, watch the, uh, watch the halftime show. Yeah, man, I heard all about that halftime show. I didn't get to see it. You know, oh no, I really like that. You know, and you're, you're looking at it. That's just unwise, right? So wisdom is knowing how to properly, correctly use knowledge and it always implies having a a sense of virtue or morality. Wisdom is always really about being moral, being virtuous, doing it the right way. Wisdom helps us to understand that there is a way things are supposed to be. Just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. There's a word of wisdom for you right there. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Wisdom is, should I do this? Well, how do I know? James chapter 1, verse five says, does, is any of you lacking wisdom? Let him ask God, who will give that wisdom to him uh, without uh, uh, being grudging about it. God will give you that wisdom willingly. He wants you, he's not gonna be reluctant about it. If you ask God for wisdom, he'll give, you. you can say, you know, you're in the middle of a situation with your kids, I don't know what to do, Lord. I do not know what to do with these kids. You're teaching a group of teenagers, I don't know what to do with these teenagers. You need wisdom. Right, and that's, I'm telling you what, relationships are all about that. So uh, I was just going over, we have these small groups and this is an opportunity for me to make this as an announcement. Um, uh, If you go to our website, you'll see uh, about halfway down on the main page, there is a picture that says awesome relationships. If you click that picture, it'll take you to a page where you can sign up for a small group and there's small groups meeting everywhere. It's a four week study in relationships the first week is on marriage relationships. The second week is on family relationships. The third week is on friendship relationships. And the fourth week is on a relationship with God. And I was listening to Rick Warren talk in the beginning of this uh, message on uh, marriage. And he just, you know, he was, he's known for his wisdom. He was just saying some incredibly wise things about the relationship, you know, a marriage relationship. Uh, he said accurately... He said, getting married is not going to get rid of all of your problems. Getting married may make it seem like you have even more problems. He said, but that's not the reality. He said, getting married just shows you all of your areas of weakness because they just get highlighted in a situation where you're in a relationship. So if I'm by myself, I can just, you know, get mad at my computer and say, this is dumb. When there's people in the house, and I say that, they think there's a crazy man in there on his computer. It's what they think it is, right? So there's a good example of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to handle that relationship. So when you talk to children, you, there's a certain way you need to talk to children. When you talk to somebody your age, same sex, you, there's a way to talk to them somebody your age, a different sex, and you're not married to them. There's a way to talk to them, and there's a way not to talk to them. There's a way to be around them, and there's a way not to be around them. There really, really is, okay? And you've gotta be aware of what's going on in the world around you. So I've been teaching kids karate for a million, million years, right? Um, We have a world now that's so messed up, that's so perverse, that I have to be very careful when I touch these kids and when I move them. I don't want to give off any kind of, call it a vibe, if you will, right? That I'm doing anything other than helping this kid face the right direction, put his or her leg in the right direction, and I'm I'm just sensitive, right? So we have kids all the time. (laughs) Karate uniforms are, it's hysterical on children because they're always disheveled. Like they're, they really are. It's like, and I've got them the kind of pants that are easy to put on. I just, traditional karate pants have a drawstring waist on them and you gotta be able to tie that and tie it down, okay? And uh, so I don't, they don't have that. And you know, they've got elastic and they just pull them on like pull-ups. That's it. That's not the problem. It's the top, okay? So, you know, the the way you the way you do it, all right? You bring the the left side over and you tie it here and it holds it here. You bring the right side over to the left and you tie it here and it holds it here, okay? And then you put your belt on and I, it's, the, I've got kids that are orange belts that still don't tie their belt right. And if there's a way to tie the belt and the belt is supposed to hold this on. And these kids, are, they're working out and their stuff is just like everywhere, man. I mean everywhere. It's a disaster. They just look like, you know, <laughs> So I have to go and adjust the little costumes all the time. Well, sometimes, if I don't know the kid, I may not do that. I might make a little, you know, adjustment here. If I know the kid and the parent is in the room and I've got to do more of an adjustment, then I will. So Asher, I have tied his (laughs) gi on. He's finally got it to where he's pretty much got the gi correct, right? (laughs) And he still comes to me about that last little bit of the belt, you know, getting that figured out but there's a little girl last night and she's four and she's doing her jumping jacks and this always happens. Her belt just just fell off on the floor, you know? So she's up there and she's listening. Well, her dad is in the room and I know him and he knows me and I see him all the time and he comes to all this stuff. So I step up behind her and I put her belt on her and tie it, okay? Wisdom, knowing when to do that and when not to do that. There's another little you know, kid in there and their parents are not there and I don't know their parents. I'm not gonna do that. It's just being wise about what you do. Don't, don't be foolish, okay? Um, we need to learn how to speak to each other. We need to learn how to speak to really everybody. And we need to be wise. We need to learn how to post, right? Because there's a tendency to just blurt something out. and. Yeah, we need this wisdom. So a word of wisdom is a message of wisdom to somebody to help them to understand how they could apply or employ the knowledge that they have, okay? So there's a long discussion on wisdom. Um, to another faith by the same spirit. So we were just talking about that. Donnie was just talking about that earlier. Faith is another example. That can, there are people that um, Faith is like a constant with them. They're, they're, most, they're more faith-oriented people. Faith seems to be easier for them to exercise than other people. But here, faith is a manifestation. So this this is even somebody that has a hard time trusting or has a hard time having faith or is not known for their faith, but they just receive that. The Lord just Gives them that assurance, okay? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. They receive that assurance, they have that conviction and they just walk in it, right? If you'll be open to the Holy Spirit, he'll give you all of these. These are not permanents. These are gifts that can come to you at any time. If you're walking in the Spirit, you should have a, message of knowledge sometimes, right? Maybe a message of knowledge that the, the, the Lord is giving to you, for you, so that you can be a better disciple, right? Can be a message of wisdom for you, or it can be a message of wisdom through you to other people. You can be given faith in a particular situation. So we just went through the hugest test over the last two years. I mean, I don't know how you did, but you know, between, the politics and the pandemic, and two summers ago, the protests and the on and on division and acrimony that we find. Man, we need wisdom to know how to get through it, but we've needed faith, right? I can just see people, even to this day, I know what news station they listen to because there's just terror in their eyes when they're in any public group, you know? Or there's people that are, you know, there's, there's confidence, right? And confidence and cockiness are not the same thing, although sometimes a person that's confident and the person that is being presumptive would act similarly, okay? But um, yeah, we've, we've had opportunities to have these tests of faith. Faith is also a fruit of the Spirit, the faith is a manifestation of the Spirit, right? He discloses that faith in and through you in a particular context, right? And again, I'll use the pandemic as an example. You know, you walk into a room and, you know, are you gonna be scared? Are you gonna have fear or are you gonna have faith? And you ask the Lord to give you faith and to give you wisdom to know what to do, and what not to do. I mean, after the shutdown, I remember that? I mean, we were shut down for what, six weeks? Something like that. The gyms were shut down. The restaurants were shut down. You know, it just was ridiculous. Well, you know, a lot of the gyms opened back up. As soon as they could open, my gym opened. And uh, you, had to wear, <laughs> you had to wear a face mask between the exor- pieces of exercise equipment. And then once you got to your exercise equipment, you could pull it off and, and work. <laughs> it, just, it was so dumb, right? But I told everybody at the beginning of this thing, I told everybody, I am not getting this. It's not presumption. I'm not getting this. I didn't get it. Right? I went through it. I sailed through it. Just fine. Okay? Now, that's not saying that somebody that did get it had less faith or something like that. We all have things we got to go through and deal with. I'm just telling you, I had faith that I am not going to get this. I got the shot but I got the shot for other people. So that people that are hearing all this QAnon nonsense about, oh yeah, they're you know, injecting nanobytes in you and then Bill Gates is gonna control your brain or you know, something crazy, okay? Uh, you know, this has not been tested, we're all gonna die. You know, you, no, you, you have a much greater chance of dying from COVID than you do from getting this shot, okay? So I just got it. And then it made me glad that I got it later because I was like, okay, well now I'm not you know, quite as cautious because I, was being, I was not, wasn't being foolish presumption would be, I'm not going to get it, doesn't matter. And so, you know, I just let people cough on me and breathe on me. No, I was staying six feet away from everybody and doing what I was supposed to do. But then after I got that, I was like, ah, now I'm less worried. So this is great. But I'm showing you how faith can manifest itself in a situation and it's important. It's important for you, okay? You, you may be walking down the road and you just have a sense, a leading that, you know, maybe I shouldn't go this way. And you have kind of confidence, yeah. And so you turn and go another way. And you find out somebody else that was walking with you got hit by a car or something, you know? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. You need to pay attention. It's for your safety. It's really, really important, okay? So, um, we're going to all have a measure of faith because faith is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, that's faith exercised over time. Gentleness, self-control, right? So, um, to another gifts of healing. So usually this, you only hear about this if you're in like a Pentecostal church, but there are those who more regularly have the ability to pray for people and see them healed. But again, this is a manifestation of the spirit. Anybody in this room who has the Holy Spirit could manifest that gift of healing. Where you put your hand on someone's shoulder, put your hand on their head, pray for them. Not just, well, I'll be praying about that, and then walk away and forget about it. All right? Well, good thoughts, good vibes to you. What is that? What is that? That's a secular culture. The universe is telling the universe is telling you nothing except you know, that there is a God that created it. That's the only thing the universe is telling you. The universe and the stars are not telling you anything else, all right? The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament is praised. That's what they're telling you, but it's not giving you knowledge about anything, okay? And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit filling a person will manifest in these different ways and healing is one of them. So, I don't say good thoughts, good vibes, blah, blah, blah. I pray and I pray in Jesus' name. And I don't keep, you know, unless it just keeps going through my mind, I just, I just pray it, okay? There was somebody very important to me, important in this church, who was having a hard time physically uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I started praying for this person really hardcore because it was really bad, and this is a person that doesn't like anybody to know. And I told Miss Mary, and Miss Mary prayed, and she said, he's healed. I was like, okay, you know, he's been better. I haven't seen anything happening. Amen? Amen. we got to believe for each other, friends. Stop being doubtful, all right? We're told not to quench the Spirit. See, the Spirit wants to fire up in you. And when you say, oh, well, I don't know about that, you just quench the Spirit, and you missed out on an opportunity. Let the Spirit fill you. Let Him overflow you, okay? Um. To another, the working of miracles. Wow, you mean that still exists today? Again, this isn't waving a magic wand, so everybody will think you're amazing. It's the same thing with healing. The person that prays for healing is not there for their own benefit or for their own notoriety, okay? They're there for you. The miraculous is when God just wants to be seen in a situation, and the only way that that can be done in that particular situation is if natural law to some degree is suspended. Now, I will say this. There are two types of miracles that I've identified in scripture. One of them is a suspension of natural law. Okay, It shouldn't happen that way. It shouldn't work that way. Um, it's obvious that this is, and I say suspension, not violation. Okay, Jesus walking on water is an example of this. You're not gonna be able to walk on water. You can try, but you're just gonna fall in because that was a sign to point to the fact that he is the unique son of Almighty God. You're not walking on water. You say, well, you're just ruining my faith. No, I'm just trying to be real, okay? You're not gonna feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That was the creator of the universe in a human body demonstrating his creation but there are other miracles. There are miracles that suspend natural laws and there are miracles that operate within the natural order but are miracles of perfect timing, we could say. I call them miracles of providence. Wait for it. The parting of the Red Sea is just such a miracle. Do you know we know how the Red Sea was parted? It says it. It says it. It says a strong wind blew all night. Okay, so we have these cool movies that we watch, right? There's Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, and then you go back and there's you know, there's the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, which for us older people, that's like, you know, that's, that's Moses. When we hear Moses, we're like, Charlton Heston is talking like this. And he's stretching the staff out over the Red Sea. And interestingly, the what they used to do that for the film is exactly what God did just on a much larger scale. Okay. Um, I think it, when I read about the Ten Commandments, they used jello. Yeah. And they blew a fan through it. And it blew the jello back. The, the scripture says a strong wind blew all night. Further, it doesn't say the Red Sea. It says the Yam Suf. The Yam Suf is the Sea of Reeds. Now, what that means is that this was a, a sea, a lake, that was deep enough to drown the Egyptians. But we're not talking about something that's 40 or 50 feet deep. We're probably talking about something that's 6 or 10 feet deep something that a strong wind could blow against and blow back. There was a perfect timing of that wind blowing, right? Now, God being able to bring that wind at that perfect moment in time and then cause the sea to go back, certainly this is, this is no less a miracle. I'm not saying that, okay? But it is, I believe, a miracle of providence, All right? Here's another one, I think. Now, I I could be debated over this. We just need Pastor Craig here to debate me. Um, (laughs) But uh, it says that when Joshua was fighting uh, in the valley of, I think, Aijalon was the name of it, that he prayed and the sun stood still for an entire day. How did that happen? It's not even possible that would mean that the Earth would have to stop rotating. If the Earth stops rotating, many, many bad things happen. I'm gonna tell you how that happened. You've experienced something like this in your life, probably. In fact, uh, Einstein's theory of relativity helps us understand this. Have you ever had times when time just seems to crawl? Right? You look at your watch, you're doing something else, and you look and it's only been like one or two minutes. Like, wow. Now, sometimes when we're doing a lot, time flies by and we're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, that's why a lot of people, when they do a job, they want to be busy because, you know, it makes time fly. But I've had the opposite happen at times when I'm just working, working, working. And I look and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, and I got a ton of work done in like 10 minutes or something. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's perception. And it's God giving you a giving you the ability to accomplish a significant amount of work in a brief period of time. And I think that's what happened. And Joshua's perception was the sun is still there and we're still fighting, but he got it all done, right? God is the master of time. So there are miracles of providence and there are miracles that suspend the laws of nature. And I've given you examples of what I think each would be. This says there are are people that this manifests through. So there may be something that only a miracle can resolve. And you gotta pray for, I mean, Pentecostals are always talking about, you you pray for your miracle. Well, okay, pray for it. But in the end, you're not just looking for God to do a trick, I mean, that's what they were, they were trying to press uh, into Jesus doing for uh, much of his ministry. You know, perform a sign, perform a sign for us. And Jesus said, you know, a wicked and perverse generation seeketh after a sign, but no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days. Well, he was talking about the greatest sign of all, which was his burial and resurrection, okay? If you're just looking for God to do a trick, no. The Israelites in the wilderness saw miracle after miracle after miracle. It did not strengthen their faith. They doubted and doubted and doubted and doubted. People say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. No, you won't. You will not. If you're doubting now, you'll doubt then. You may be amazed, but then you're like, oh, how did they do that? There's some trick to that. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe I really, nah, I didn't really, no. You will see it when you believe it. The Lord will do miracles in and through you when you're just open to His Spirit and you let Him use you to do it. It's a manifestation of the Spirit, okay? And now we have it, to another prophecy. Hey, I already discussed that at length, so I'm not going to discuss it further here. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Oh, oh, oh. That is very, very important. Okay, so that is verse uh, 10. Let me look at uh, these other translations and see what they say. Distinguishing of spirits, that's NASB. Um, Distinguishing between spirits, that's NIV. Uh, That's the same thing CSB says. Um, Ah, here we go. Uh, New Living Translation. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So that's kind of more explanatory, right? That maybe helps a little bit more. Now, here we go. This is what I'm accustomed to. This is the Net Bible, the New English translation, uh, and to another discernment of spirits. You know what it means to discern, to be discerning, right? It involves wisdom and it involves knowledge, okay? Um, Discerning of spirits is the New King James Version um, and distinguishing of spirits. I think that this idea of being able to discern whether it is the Holy Spirit or another spirit. You have people all the time say, well, you know, I'm a spiritual person. Okay. So is the devil. Your point. Demons are spiritual. You're not telling me anything. What you might be telling me is you're an emotional person and you're mischaracterizing your emotions for spiritual things, okay? Discernment of spirits means you have the ability to distinguish whether or not this is of the devil or whether this is of God. Listen, there's three things that are gonna go on in any room. You're gonna have people that are operating in the flesh. You're gonna have people that are being inspired by satanic spirits, demonic spirits and you have people that are going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. That is always the case. There's no others, okay? Um, Understand that God's angels are not going to try to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Demons will, okay? Um, There are people that, uh, you know, they make their money being fortune tellers, right? And they look at somebody and, you know, they kind of hunt around and they say different things. And a lot of times all they're doing is they're just kind of picking around until they see your face brighten up. Oh, I got it, I got it. Now I got it, okay? But then there are the people that are real scary and they're telling you things about yourself that they shouldn't know. That may be somebody that's tapped into a familiar spirit. And a familiar spirit is a demon that's watching you. Doesn't mean that that demon has any control over you unless you allow it. That demon knows a lot about you. And this is somebody that's open to the demonic. That's a spiritual person. That's a scary spiritual person. That's somebody you want to stay away from. Further, there are churches that are saying, pretending that they are filled with the spirit and operating in spiritual gifts. Could be tongues, right? Could be being slain in the spirit, all this. Doesn't mean tongues don't exist. And I'm going to spend next time talking about tongues, not this time, okay? Okay. it doesn't mean that people can't be overwhelmed and overcome with the Holy Spirit and and you know fall on the ground as a result, okay? But there is an emotionalism, a hysteria that takes over in some among some groups of people where everybody is just doing the same thing, and it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the flesh. Okay, so there was a there was a gentleman that used to come around here quite a bit. In fact, You two guys need to be super careful out there on the street uh, because I heard that he got killed about five or six years ago. Somebody hit him in the head with a hammer, all right? He was an older guy that used to come around here uh, a good bit. Now, he didn't have a great temperament. Y'all have great temperaments, great you know attitudes, and and he didn't. Uh, So um, he had a hot and cold relationship with us. But I sat out in front of the church one time and was talking to him, And for whatever reason, we got to talking about tongues. His name was uh, Mr. Phillips. Mitchell Phillips was his name. And he had been to a church up the road up here, and I don't know which one and where it was. But he said, yeah, he'd been outside that church and they were trying to get him to speak in tongues. Right? And he said, and when they were doing it, he said, it felt like the devil. And very well might have been, right? It's, there's a lot of striving, right, that is involved many times when people are looking for the supernatural and trying to make it. You can't make the supernatural happen because the supernatural comes from a supernatural God and it says he gives these things as he wills. So I'll talk about tongues next week, but we'll skip to verse 11. All of these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not an angel. There's a church in California where people see angels and gold dust and, you know, during their, their worship services. Ma, 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 ma. I don't wanna to talk to an angel. I don't. I wanna to talk to Jesus. I wanna to talk to Almighty God. I don't wanna to talk to angels. Right? I don't need to see gold dust floating through the air and, and all of this other drama. No. One Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers these who apportions or gives to each one in, to individually. He gives it to you. He gives it to you. He gives, it to you. He gives it to you individually as he wills, not as I will. I can express what I want. I can ask for it, but it happens as he wills. Right? So you get in a church where everybody's supposed to speak in tongues or there's something wrong with you. No, it's not his will for everybody to speak in tongues. It's not his will for everybody to be alike. That's what we're going to see next week as well, that We're one body, but we've got many members and we're not all alike. You know, our country needs to learn this. Everybody doesn't need to be alike. Our differences make us amazing. You know, there used to be a lot of tolerance in this country that was preached at least, not not practiced, but preached. And now the very people that were preaching tolerance before are the most intolerant, right? And the people that were always intolerant are still intolerant. So now everybody's just intolerant of each other. (laughs) You know, it used to be if you were liberal, that meant that you were tolerant of the views of other people, right? You let other people think the way they want to think and, you know, be who they are, just don't hurt anybody. And, you know, that's what it meant to be liberal. Now, no, these people on the left are, they're totalitarians. No, you're going to do what we say you are going to do or we'll deplatform you. You can't speak. It's intolerant, right? No. He gives each individually as He wills. So these gifts are given as the Spirit of God wills. So I can't push my way in. I can't strive to get it. I need to be open to receive it. I need to be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will be there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And these manifestations of the Spirit will occur. Everything from prophecy to faith to distinguishing of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, these things are all gonna be operating in you as what He wills and as the community needs. It's for the common good, not mine, although it will be good for me, right? And it is as He wills, not as I will. So all I gotta do is just be open and allow the Spirit of God to work, amen?